Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, passion for excellence. This is Auto Line Daily for Tuesday, the 28th of September, 2010. Again, I'm Rod Maloney, business editor at WDIV Local 4 News here in Detroit. Fasten your seatbelts. Here's the latest news from the global automotive beat. Wards reports that GM Vice Chairman Tom Stevens is giving torque lovers something to look forward to. He said the automaker plans to offer a mid-sized car in the U.S. with a diesel engine. Yes, a diesel engine. He did not mention which model is going to get the powertrain, though the Chevy Malibu seems like an obvious choice, nor did he give a time frame for its introduction. This would be the company's first diesel-powered passenger car since, well, the 1980s, and we all know what happened then. Do the words Oldsmobile and diesel ring a bell? In related news, French automaker Peugeot Citroën plans to unveil a diesel hybrid version of its 3008 crossover at the Paris Motor Show. Base price is expected to be more than 30,000 euros, nearly 41,000 US. Chrysler's Mopar division is introducing an aftermarket vehicle tracking system. The technology allows drivers to locate their vehicle if it gets stolen, set speed and distance restrictions to keep tabs on those teenage drivers, for instance, and much more. It works off a small GPS receiver that mounts behind the dashboard. The module costs $460 plus installation. Three different service plans are offered. The base is free. The silver plan, which adds a few extras, costs $150 a year, while the gold plan, with all the bells and whistles, is $250 annually. This fall, Volkswagen's Turing is celebrating its ninth birthday, and since it was getting a whole new facelift, the company decided to deliver a new twist with it as well. And that twist came in the shadow of the Ligurian Alps near Nice, France. Now that's some tough Autoline Daily duty for you. VW showed journalists the all-new Turing Sports Utility, but the bigger news unveiled this morning is the model now comes with a hybrid version. In fact, it's Volkswagen's first hybrid production vehicle of any kind. company says the engine is supercharged, delivering the same V8 power as with the last Turing, but in a new V6 engine with 23 combined miles per gallon to boot. But maybe the more interesting element here is the packaging for its hybrid technology. Most manufacturers start small and move hybrids up into their lineups. With VW, it's the exact opposite. Hybrid technology is very complex, it's very expensive, so it's easier to, to implement this technology first in a, in a luxury car and then later on take some parts of this development, for example, in our Jetta. For example, the whole functionality we are developing with the Turek will go in our Jetta Hybrid in two years. Right now, the new VW Turek Hybrid is on sale in Europe. It's going to be coming to the States before the end of the year. Right now, we don't have any pricing on it as of yet. Toyota announced it will sell many cars in Japan, according to the AFP. Daihatsu, a subsidiary of Toyota, will supply the automaker with three mini vehicles, cars with engines 660 cubic centimeters or smaller. The first one goes on sale next year. These will be the first mini cars to carry the Toyota badge. Toyota said it wants to broaden its lineup and wanted to enter the segment because of increased demand. The title for the world's fastest lawnmower is back in the USA. And, well, I'm guessing most of you had no idea that it ever even left the country. But the title is back thanks to a guy by the name of Bobby Cleveland who regained it after losing to British driver Don Wales. Earlier this year, Wales set the record at 87.8 miles per hour. But over the weekend, Bobby Cleveland set a new record of 96.6 miles per hour at the Bonneville Salt Flats. I just wish I could get one of these to mow my lawn. After a break, I want to give it to you straight with a few of my thoughts on the politics of the automotive bailout.
Introducing Bridgestone's third generation of run-flat tires with groundbreaking new Bridgestone technologies. Bridgestone run-flat tires offer improved ride comfort, lower rolling resistance, and improved wear while giving you the peace of mind and comfort you need. Finally, government motors was inevitable. President Bush pumped in billions before President Obama picked up the baton running GM and Chrysler through the quick rinse bankruptcy car wash. John McCain would have done exactly the same thing because adding one million auto workers to the unemployment rolls is politically unacceptable at any time. Yet government motors brought us an unsavory byproduct, the politically embarrassing. Last month, I was there as President Obama visited Holland, Michigan for a ribbon cutting at the government-backed A123 battery factory where they're going to make the Chevy Volt batteries. The president used his bully pulpit not only to crow about his desire to transform our highways, but to line up Republican Congressman Pete Hoekstra's head for a political field goal. The congressman, then running for Michigan governor, sitting in his hometown in his own district, heartily kicked for attending the event while opposing the administration's economic policies. I was also there earlier this month in Livonia, Michigan at the opening of yet another government-backed A123 battery facility. Most of Michigan's Democratic congressional de delegation showed up. Michigan's Democratic governor, Jennifer Granholm, resoundingly sold the soap that the biggest lesson everyone learned during this crisis was the absolute necessity for government-private sector partnerships to keep the industry alive, as if R&D capital emanates from only one place, Washington, D.C. Agree or disagree, what came next gave us all reasons to hope that government motors will soon disappear. The phone rang, and I mean yes, the phone rang interrupting the governor. It was the President of the United States just happening to call into the news conference, turning a news conference into a midterm election year political rally. Let's get real. Recent industry studies show the electric car is at least one full technological generation away from real viability, when an interesting century-old idea, it is far from certain success. But because the federal government owns the majority of the domestic auto industry, and the president himself is so heavily invested politically, we end up listening to campaign platitudes at press conferences turned electioneering stages. Now, it's not like politics and business haven't met before, but this is a new day and a new reality. The injection of political excess into every aspect of a troubled auto company's business, whether Democrat or Republican, takes away precious time and resources from recovery that could and actually should fund an R&D rebound. But more than anything, it's just embarrassing. And that's it for today's show. Again, I'm Rod Maloney, business editor at WDIB Local 4 News in Detroit. Join us again tomorrow for another exciting dose of industry news and expert analysis. Same time, same place. As always, thank you for watching. I'll catch you next time.